0: Peter Krohn carries the moniker Mind Architect, and he deserves that every step of the way. What I've been able to see him do with people, including what he does with Vailana on this podcast, is truly paradigm altering, reimagining, re-architecture of the mental and psychic constructs. He is an absolute wizard. And if you've listened to any of my other podcasts with him, you've watched him do this with me. And on this episode, he dives deep into the psychic constructs of Vailana, which so many of us will recognize as a pattern that we hold ourselves, finds the truth underneath that pattern. And I've watched Vailana liberate, flower, and flourish ever since the filming of this episode. So enjoy this very intimate and vulnerable episode with Peter Crone and my wife, Violana Marcus. But before we get started, a word from our sponsors. First up, we have Helix Sleep. So right now as I'm recording this, I'm recording from Miami, Florida, and we checked in to our short-term lease, and I didn't like the mattress. I couldn't sleep on it. It was slumping in the middle. So what did I do? I ordered a Helix mattress to be delivered just so I could sleep on it for two months while I was here that's how much I actually genuinely like and appreciate the Helix mattresses. And they just, from the way that it's delivered to the products that they use in the construction to the way that it feels and the many options they have for firmness, you can really dial in the exact mattress that you're looking for. So if you're interested in Helix mattresses, Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for AMP listeners. Go to helixsleep.com amp. That's helixsleep.com amp. And this is the best offer they've had yet, and it's not going to be around forever. So once again, with Helix, like myself, I think you're going to find the best sleep on a mattress that you've had. Go to helixsleep.com amp. Next up, we have Apollo Neuro. Now, Apollo is a stress relief wearable that is designed to help you become a calmer, more mindful version of yourself through touch therapy. And it does this by providing these warm, pulsing sensations that actually go through the device. And it's really interesting to feel the effects that this has on your nervous system. It's something that Vailana and I will use both when we're in a medicine journey or a meditation or sometimes a breath work experience. But honestly, it doesn't have to be during any of those experiences. The effects of the Apollo wearable will be noticeable whether you're actually paying attention to it or not, or whether you're in one of those transformational or transcendental states or not. Some of the results of the clinical trials that they've done on Apollo Neuro have shown that users experience 40% less stress and feelings of anxiety, 19% more time in deep sleep, up to 25% increases in focus and concentration. And all of these different effects are based on different programs and different pulses that the Apollo Neuro actually pushes through in the vibrational mechanism of the device itself. Just like our brainwaves pulse at different frequencies that allows us to actually access different states of consciousness this is working in not exactly the same way but it's working in a similar way pushing out different frequencies of pulses that are sensed by the skin and received by the nervous system it's a really cool device developed by neuroscientists and doctors you may have heard Dr. Dave Rabin talk about it on my podcast already so if you're interested, go to Apoloneuro.com slash Aubrey. That's apollo slash Aubrey, and you will get $40 off of the wearable. Next up, we have Mudwater. Now, Mudwater is one of my favorite products that are out there in the health and wellness better for you space. It's a coffee alternative. It has four adaptogenic mushrooms, it has cacao, Ayurvedic herbs. And it's really a coffee alternative. It has a fraction of the caffeine of a cup of coffee, but I do like a little bit of caffeine. And Mudwater just hits that sweet spot. It doesn't have a bunch of sugar or anything in there. So if you want to add your own sweetener, you're welcome to. Or if you're mixing it in a shake or a warm morning drink like I often do, it's just really a kind of a perfect product. And it's no surprise that Mudwater has done so well as a company because it's just Phenomenal and phenomenal all the way up, all the way down. Not only from the quality of ingredients, the flavor profile, and also just the customer service and the ethos of the company itself. I am a huge fan. And again, cacao and chai for mood and a microdose of caffeine. They got lion's mane, which helps with cognitive support and alertness. Cordyceps, which is the flagship ingredient in our product, Shroom Tech Sport from Onnit. It's got chaga and reishi to support your immune system and offer that. A little bit of calm that comes with the reishi mushroom. Turmeric is also one of those great products for any kind of stiffness or soreness you might be feeling. And cinnamon, which is an ingredient that's very close to my heart, that also has a bunch of antioxidants. And actually, in high enough amounts, can help with blood sugar regulation. I talk about that a bit in my book, Own the Day. So Mudwater is just one of those things that if you're curious about a coffee alternative and you like making delicious beverages, whether they're smoothies or hot drinks, I highly recommend it. It's Whole30 approved, 100% USDA organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, kosher certified. It's got all the goods. So go to mudwater.com slash amp. That's M-U-D-W-T-R dot com slash amp. And use the code Aubrey to get 15% off at checkout. Once again, the code Aubrey for 15% at checkout. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Peter Krohn. Peter fucking Krohn. Here we
1: are. Number four. PFC. (laughs) <laughs> not <laughs> to be confused it. with kfc <laughs> finger looking good i gotta come up with something else that seems the current appropriate
0: <laughs> the the colonel himself
1: this yeah year. yeah four so, p four p just want to like take a beat there for a minute because i think that's a is that our first ever just just yeah so 4P, so can... there's
0: not a lot of four beats out there no. like, i think there's a couple but this that is, you done yeah oh damn it I mean, back in the old, there was, I think there's like eight or something with this guy, Corey Allen, who's like my friend, like a Buddhist guy, but that's going way back to the old days,
1: to the, to the
0: old, old days.
1: I have a sense based on the fact that I feel we'll be in each other's lives for a while. We could surpass that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got
0: a target. We got like Djokovic numbers of grand slams (laughs) that we're going to try and win. Grand slams of podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. We'll be on ESPN eventually. (laughs) (laughs) So this is an interesting time because we haven't had a conversation since everything kind of went crazy over the past few years. And,
1: you
0: know, ultimately, all of the work that you do to liberate the self, to bring people back into their power, to bring them back into the truth of who they are, is actually probably the most important defense against all of this mindset that's been kind of laid out mm-hmm. in order to control people yeah. and meet the corporatocracy fiefdom agenda that seems to be out there to yeah. actually create, in some ways, a victimized servant class <clears throat> that will just continue to operate in their consumerist ways and continue to actually fund, you know, the elite corporatocracy, right?
1: Yeah. No, it's, it, it's well put, and, but we could, as, as, as is my want, you know, from a devil's advocate perspective, say, was it the chicken or the egg, right? Mm. So is it that that overarching, the oligarchs, the wanting to control is the byproduct, really, of the fact that we have been in perpetual victimhood, right? So there's all this, like, cry for freedom, which is beautiful, but I could argue that we were never free. We just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we know we're not free, which is actually an evolution. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? So in the, like, as we evolve as beings, as a collective, it looks like, oh, there's all these bad guys out there and there's the tyranny and, the, and I'm not denying that. And even I have had to revisit the way that I relate to humans out there that I've thought were traumatized and now it's sort of sliding into that. No, they're just evil. <laughs> right? It's like, it's a different... <laughs> right. That sort of bucket, right? Right. But it's like, to what degree is that actually collectively a macro version of what we all do in our work for people, the micro version of having to face the things you don't want to look at? Mm. So it's sort of, that's a way, that's a container I like to have because otherwise it just becomes way too depressing. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I mean, if you look at the collective as
0: an organism, which we really are in a way, even though, especially now with the way that everybody is able to communicate with each other, with some exceptions, of course, but it's almost like cells of a single body. Correct. And so as you can liberate your own body, mind, spirit, consciousness, which is all one substrate of different densities, the collective can also go through a liberation process. And oftentimes there's a dark night of the soul. There's a moment of reckoning and awakening to fuck, I'm not free. Yeah.
1: And it seems like this is really what's happening. I think it's a good reframe. Right, right. It helps me a lot because like you, we're both sensitive men. We want to have that masculine feeling of being of stability, of security, the protector, you know? And so I'd like sort of the back of the neck has come up as like this feeling of like, wait, we're under attack. But then if you look at it, as like, no, what if this is just like a collective tumor? Mm. And there's a certain degree of the spiritual chemo that is mm-hmm. really unpleasant to go through, but is nonetheless nonetheless mm-hmm. a, not one that I would advise, but a methodology for treatment, right? right. Like we have our own forms of treatment, uh, much more holistic and impactful. But that, that really helped me to go, oh, hang on a minute. Like, I, with all the work that I've done and anyone that I work with has their version of unpleasantness. Like it's a form of birth. Anyone who witnesses, especially from the male perspective, his wife, his lover going through this like metamorphosis of caring to giving birth to and rise to another being. Like in lay terms, I think this is the medical term. It's fucking messy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <clears throat> but nonetheless, the, it doesn't, you don't see the tearing of the perineum and the poop and the blood and the screaming and the fuck yous and like is like evil it's like oh my god i'm in the container of love and i'm giving rise to something Mm -hmm. and even that can take hours but like time is illusory right so if you think about okay this has been three years and it could be another two and it could get worse for a minute it's like but is that consciousness labor right like Mm. and then relative to the eons that we've been here it's kind of a drop in the ocean. Right? I think, you know, actually recategorizing that idea of a tumor,
0: which we have this war on cancer, which is fundamentally the wrong idea. It's and the think,
1: precursor to it.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> so, you know, like Travis Christofferson's work, Tripping Over the Truth, showing how when you actually restore mitochondrial health and enough energy for the body, cancer is in that mindset which goes all the way back to Otto von Warburg and a bunch of different understandings of the metabolic theories of cancer really it's about do you have enough energy to mm-hmm. actually function properly as an organism yeah. and liberating the the mind body spirit is one of the ways that you can liberate energy just like rehabilitating the mitochondria with a restricted ketogenic diet and and, and yep. then you know some hyperbaric oxygen the different ways that you can yep. actually do that is is helpful but even Potentially, so that's one idea that you can play with. This is like, all right, this is this, there's cancers here. We need to rehabilitate, get our vital life force up. Yeah. One way. Another way is maybe it's not a tumor. Maybe it's actually a baby. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is fucking messy. And we're not here to attack it. Actually, we just need to birth through this process, go through the tunnel.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. we're going
0: to be out the other side into uh, actually a new world, mm-hmm. not Correct. the new age. That has been all kind of, uh, I don't know, it's been spray painted and fucking water colored and sparkled and put in all different ways. And it's not really the
1: thing, you know? Yeah, that's that. I mean, that's the way that it's helped me to recognize as much as we are all oblivious to what's really going on. That's the nature of life is uncertainty. And so it looks, you know, the illusion of how things look is like, oh, this looks terrible. And it's like, well... How many times have you, in your own micro experience of being human, had a terrible moment that could have lasted months? Like For me, the biggest catalyst for my own awakening was like when the girl left me. That was terrible. I was devastated. I couldn't sleep. I lost weight. I'm calling on my friends. How do I get her back? That was my version of tyranny. I mean, my body was in fight or flight. It was toxic, right? Okay, so the mediums by which I got to that state, different than what we're experiencing, but nonetheless, the energetic experience was the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But yet, yeah, that was transitory, and ended up being one of the best things I ever went through. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who doesn't say that after a breakup, the job loss, whatever it yeah. is?
3: And it's it's funny <coughs> that we literally have this statue of Kali that's right. a symbol of the cycles of destruction, destruction yeah. for creation, and just like the birthing process as well. Yeah. There's contraction, yeah. and then there's expansion, and then there's contraction, and then there's expansion, and then eventually you have a baby that's born which feels like a really, it's a really beautiful mirror to what we're going through collectively.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Something that's only dawned on me recently, but it just helped me and people I help and people I talk to, to just go, yeah, it's freaking scary. But you talk to a mother who's in labor, who's like, perhaps God forbid, breach birth, like, and there's all these quick decisions that seem like life or death and it's terrifying, Mm -hmm. but it's, in the bigger container of this is so beautiful and something we collectively, certainly that nucleus family are so excited about, you know, so it it sort of dampens the edges of the transitory pain, right? Mm. So I think it's just hard for the human brain, which tends to be very linear to look at this with such a big scope, right? Mm. Because we tend to be so impulsive and reactionary and impetuous in the way that we do things versus like, well, if you look at the arc of the human being's existence as a whole, and then you take this as like a chapter and really relative uh, kind of a short chapter, (laughs) it's like, Mm -hmm. "Ah, it ain't so bad. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm excited for what's on the other side. And is there going to be collateral damage? Yeah. Just like there isn't any kind of birth, right. Mm -hmm. There can be like hemorrhaging, there can be tears, there can be like all the, you know, it could be arguments. It's like, it can get pretty heated. Mm -hmm. But so when you take a family, and then you superimpose that onto a collective of 8 billion, it's like, it's just, it's kind of exaggerated to a a big degree. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So one of the things that we were able to witness yesterday, and also anybody who's watched the three podcasts we've done before, you have a particular ability to liberate people from the prisons of their own mind. Yeah, It's like you are the... Ultimate Gowler with the keys that can unlock many keys, just all the keys. The Keymaster. Yeah. <laughs> <Or the laughs> I'm like the little a little Japanese guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Find the key master <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Right. And I've been thrice liberated mm-hmm. uh, through this process and different podcasts, and so there's nice more too. liberation to go because mm-hmm. uh, I have to acknowledge, and I think everybody has to acknowledge that in some ways we like prisons. You know, and that's part of the part of the process is to understand how the prison is. You think it's serving you at the very least. Yeah, it keeps you safe. This prison is safer in this in this thing for other reasons. Yeah. But I wanted to invite Vailana on this podcast. Yeah, to get a little taste of get a little taste of what it's like <laughs> to identify the I'm prison ready. walls. I'm ready. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was told to bring tissues. <laughs> Who knows how this is going to go? Yeah.
0: <laughs> We'll so see. I wanted to, I wanted to bring her in so that, that, you know, you could kind of, and I'm open and available too to discover my Facilitate, own, yeah. my own prisons and, uh, and get, uh, f- four times unlocked. All right. What's, what's, th- what's thrice gone to four? <laughs> I <don't> know, <laughs> earlier I know.
3: you went from uno, dos, tres, catorce, yeah. so maybe <laughs>
1: something
0: to do
1: with 14. Okay. sized uh, size, unlocked. That sounds kind of painful and kind of sadistic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I'll try and be gentle. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> going to catorcize size you. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so, Vi, if you were going to share, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things, and Peter, I'll, I might let you kind of lead this way to kind of... Yeah see where you might actually intuitively feel like you're not fully free.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. I mean, something that always feels like it's been the most relevant, uh, I don't want to call it a struggle, but just something that has inhibited the fullness of me being absolutely free and something that there are always different dimensions and different layers of, um, of really healing and bringing into resolution is something that I as far back as I can remember literally from being four years old is this construct of perfectionism yeah um and you know I started I I started to Tahitian dance at a very young age my mom said that I started when I was two which I don't even know how that's Possible as mm-hmm. a two-year-old, but and um, it's more and I, wiggling. It's and like wiggling, wigg- yeah. Wiggling. Lots of, of wiggling, like lizard wiggling, <laughs> or a full um, diaper. I uh,
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to find a video to pop it on here. I don't need to see that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: but I started competing when I was four. Okay. And it's, it's interesting to think of being a four-year-old and, and the story that my mother tells is, you know, I'm, I'm four years old, I'm Polynesian dancing. My mom is sort of like, you know, she's like my goddess and she's, mm-hmm. c- you know, Polynesian dances competitively. We dance in shows, all these things. And my very first competition, they didn't have an age category that was for that young of an age, like that age group from like, you know, super young to like, uh, five, Mm -hmm. you basically just get like participation ribbons and you still get to dance in front of people, but it's not the competition. And my mom said, I threw a fit and Uh was like, I want to compete. And so she convinced them because I was so young to, uh, let me compete in the youngest age category, which was like seven to eight years old. Uh And, and I won. And so my whole childhood, I was a dancer and that, consumed my life in the best way because I absolutely loved it. It, I was connected to my culture and my heritage, but there was one competition that I had that I got deducted for, you know, something that was in my costume and I got second place and it was like, I was so upset. I didn't even want to look. I was like, I don't want your trophy. Like if it wasn't the best, I wouldn't accept it. And it's interesting (laughs) because I don't, I don't recall My parents ever instilling within me, like, you should be the best. That wasn't there. There was something, there was something deeper within me that just like Mm
4: -hmm. needed
3: that to feel like life was right. Yeah. And how that's transpired in my life, you know, and I've spoken about this before, but it's like it showed up in competition with women, um, you know, jealousy. When I was in school, I didn't want to just get an A, I wanted the highest grade in the class. And Mm -hmm. that was the only thing that was really satisfying to me. It's like, was I in, you know, either the top grade or in like the top 2%. And so there's always been this measuring of myself, um, in relation to the external. Um, and, you know, still to this day, there are very subtle ways where I watch this show up and like, you know, criticizing myself subtly if my hair isn't great that day. And if my yeah. I have more split ends than I, you know, it's just like yeah. this constant battle that mm-hmm. I don't recognize always like how much energy it's taking up. And, yeah. and I do see it as the thing that feels like it is, you know, it's the thing that keeps me feeling fully free to be, the truest, unique self that yeah. just is me, yeah, so yeah, that that feels like it
1: it's <laughs> a pretty good place to start, yeah, beautiful, no, I'm really well articulated. I mean, Thank obviously, you. I've known you guys for years, love you both dearly, and um I know you've done a ton of work, so your ability to articulate at one level, we could say is you know, just helps, but I'd also said another level, it becomes an obstacle, right? So yeah. one of my quotes I tell people is you know, being smart doesn't make you happier, Uh just makes your reasons why you're not way more convincing. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. And, and I really, um, actually spoke to Aubrey about this before we even started what I was recognizing yesterday when you were working with people that, I mean, you literally within a matter for two people in 15 minutes, like completely flipped their story of themselves yeah. upside down, up, right side up, I should say. Yeah. Um. And what I was noticing as they would speak was just this reflection of how much we have the stories about it because we want to understand so that life makes sense. And what I would love to do now that I've expressed that is to just drop all of my, and this is why, because this happened and that yeah. happened. And I want to just yeah. be like a clear, open vessel to like what feels true in my Body and in the moment.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I get that about you. I mean, look, you're such a sweetheart and these patterns can be so insidious. And it's almost like I said, the degree to which you do work, but perhaps aren't necessarily transcending the patterns is it's almost like in a subtle way, you're strengthening them. Right? Mm-hmm. So you're aware of becoming a perfectionist. And so being aware of it is you try not to be, which is a form of perfectionism.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm so good I'm not doing my shadow right. thing. Yeah. 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 Exactly.
1: You see, so it gets really slippery with someone like you because yeah. it's fun. Like with somebody who hasn't perhaps done his work as ceremonies and all the things you've done, you know, it's sort of like right there in their face. So I think one of the ways for us to be able to access it for you is to look at the cost, mm-hmm. right? So in ways that you have normalized and you've become accustomed to, there is that adorable, beautiful girl that I can see doing this dance and she's just trying so hard and she wants to be the best. But now as a grown woman and looking at that for three decades, you know, there's a degree of exhaustion that you have integrated as normal Mm -hmm. and you've adapted and you've accommodated. So it's like if you were born with this very subtle, but kind of palpable in terms of hearing tone, Like just like a in the background, but you were born with that. You wouldn't hear it Mm -hmm. until it stops because that had become part, a normal part of your environment. Does that make sense? Yeah. So likewise for you, it's become so a part of your nervous system and who Vi is for you, how you occur for yourself, the the you've made space for it. Mm-hmm. But if we can just sort of peel back a layer and go, okay, so w- what are some of the costs you? You touched on it superficially, like the competition with women. And then there's obviously going to show up in your past relationships. And even as a young kid, not wanting the gift of a trophy because it's second place, like there's a degree of cost there, right? There's mm-hmm. an impact on you. So can you, as much as you've integrated it, can you just take a minute to see and try and articulate you know the split ends the woman that maybe is god forbid prettier than you smarter than you seems to be getting more attention than you in a room perhaps you were saying something that wasn't as well executed or elegant as you'd like it to say and you feel a little like just all of those moments what what does that feel like when there's that much at stake for you constantly to get it right
3: i mean it it Feel emotional. My nervous system is also like shaking and freaking out.
1: That's okay. That's good.
3: Um it feels like there's this part of me that always feels like it's being so hypervigilant about everything that is actually like terrified.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of fear beneath that.
3: And um and probably never fully at ease.
1: You can get rid of the probably never fully at ease um <laughs> yeah now just think about that statement you are never at ease look at the life you live look at your husband the life that you have garnered, or curated but you yourself are never at ease just consider that statement i know it's bold but i just want to see if you can see that that's the truth for you i'll give you moments but for the most part you're just not at ease
2: mm-hmm.
1: what's that like to live like that
3: It's interesting because um my life is so extraordinary. It never escapes me for a moment how grateful I feel for what I experience, but I'm pretty um I'm pretty constantly exhausted, mm-hmm. particularly when we have you know uh, we're moving at a really fast pace and we're serving in all these ways and and mm-hmm. I get like I get to a place of burnout really yeah. easily. Um, yeah, and it's 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 interesting because how you said it about their you know like being born with this like noise that you always hear. Yeah, it's so normal to me that I don't even see it as like a thing. Um, I get it. But my I can feel it, and my my whole nervous system is like shaking right now.
4: Yeah,
3: just to. Um, let that idea kind of settle in my being. It's like, I don't know any other way than to be
1: this way. I get it. But you do. And so we have to differentiate, right? Mm -hmm. It might've been short lived, but at a deeper level in terms of the essence of who you are, you know that the way that you have normalized your existence is not normal.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So you do know, and we're just appealing to that subtle deep intelligence that what you're doing to yourself is not healthy. Mm -hmm. So you're doing great, but like, in the nervous system, like if you've ever seen a National Geographic and a gazelle or a deer is chased by a lion, they're in that state of fight or flight now, think about if they were constantly being chased. Think about that just as a visual
2: mm-hmm.
1: What's that like for that gazelle that is constantly being chased by a lion?
3: It's just completely exhausted, yeah, like and it's it's not it's not alive <clears throat> it's it there isn't you know, a moment to really take in life and um, yeah. what's around you because it just feels like constantly moving and constantly exhausting itself.
1: now say the same thing, but without you, because you're talking about yourself, but you're talking to me and it's a safe way of speaking. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to get responsibility, which is where your power is, you have to recognize you're doing that.
2: Mm-hmm
3: yeah i'm um in the example of a gazelle just constantly being in fight or flight and running from a lion and mirroring that to myself i'm i'm never in a state where i'm fully present and not exhausted and not running
1: yeah how does that show up in your body? Even look at it now, like feel into your body.
3: Yeah, it feels real, like everything just feels kind of, everything feels tense. My shoulders feel like they're pulled in. Mm. Um, I, don't feel, I don't feel relaxed at all.
1: Yeah. So we could say that's a state of dis-ease, right? Mm-hmm. The lack of ease, the absence of ease.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How does that manifest in your, as a woman, how does that manifest day to day? you're obviously healthy, you do a lot of work, you take care of yourself, you do ceremony, you do biohacking, like, so you mitigate a lot of it. But where are some of the things that you either see it show up or where you could sort of see that potential show up?
3: Yeah, if our if our life feels fast-paced and i I don't have time where I'm just in my own energy or I, I, I get really fussy. Mm -hmm. I get really moody and frustrated with like the load of things to do or people to be around or, um, I'm really, really hypersensitive and, and Mm -hmm. I get very impatient and and frustrated and fussy. Yeah.
1: And And it
3: really, it limits, it limits my capacity in ways to serve as much as I want to.
0: Yeah. One of the, you know, one of the things that I can offer too is, you know, there's rarely a time where we're getting ready to do anything because those, that hour, hour and a half, whatever it is, revise in front of the mirror is a very hyperactive moment of perfectionism. Yeah. So there's almost, we almost rarely ever go into a dinner, a party party or anything mm-hmm. with Vi in a, in a place of feeling free yeah. and mm-hmm. feeling actually happy or excited about what we're doing. It's yeah. always, yeah. because that, that critical eye is always harshly looking like the eye of Sauron yeah. upon herself. And, yeah.
3: and it's like, it's often, it's interesting that whenever I'm in front of the mirror, um, I often have to like coach myself through like negative thinking that I have Mm-mm. so fascinating and it might not just be directed at myself but it's like just it's just negativity if I'm in front of you know when you just think in your mind randomly I, I, throughout I, the day I, 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 thank you um, when I think in my mind throughout the day just any kinds of thoughts when I'm you know outside in nature you know just having the dialogue in my head yeah. when I'm in front of a mirror my thoughts tend to be negative mm-hmm. about whatever it is that I may be thinking of, whether it's in relation to me or maybe a situation that didn't really sit well with me about an interaction with somebody or it it just tends to be a, a negative space that I have to coach.
1: Mm-hmm. I
3: often coach myself into being like, why are you even thinking like that right now? Right. Um, and that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a daily, that's a daily thing for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, That's a lot of energy, right? What are some of the things you hear that you say in your head when you're looking in that mirror?
3: God, my hair sucks today. Why does it feel so thin? Why am I skin breaking out? Am I gaining weight? I've been working out so hard. What's happening with my body? Yeah. Um, And and then all the ways to... Solve the issues that I see. Maybe I need to change my shampoo or try a new product, or you know, be in this. We're
0: on shampoo number eighty-seven. Machine of consumerism. In the last three years. <laughs> That's not bad, actually. Can tell Some people, I hope.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, and it's and it's and and I'm always <clears throat> trying to, you know, I'm I'm, I'm definitely uh, in the machine of consumerism. It's like, how do I f- how do I fix all these things that are wrong or imperfect or broken
1: yeah i get it it's a it's a serious prison and one that i think a lot of women listening to this and watching this will be grateful to you for your courage because they can all relate so what's the juxtaposition of that the criticism that you hear the hair that's too thin the breaking out skin what's the the vision of perfection that would mitigate all of those comments? What would you hear? What have you heard?
3: I mean, I, <clears throat> I've i definitely, it's interesting when I've, when I've been in medicine
4: mm-hmm.
3: and I look in the mirror, I love myself so much mm-hmm. and it's not because my makeup was perfect or even that I had makeup on like, yeah. My hair could be dreadlocks and I can, I can just look in the mirror and see myself truthfully.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I see <laughs> Yeah. Pretty much everybody else, maybe a couple of videos out there. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but to the question, what have you heard apart from how you see you when you're in that ceremony state? Uh-huh. What did you hear growing up? about you, about your looks, about your hair, about your appearance. And I'm I'm leaning towards the positive. What mm-hmm. does every little girl usually hear, regardless?
3: Yeah. I mean I, I I remember the reflections of people around me, you know, saying how cute I was or mm-hmm. you know dazzling and um I heard a lot of positive things. I can't I can't think of anything really specifically, but I do remember a lot of yeah. positive feedback and, and my mother was my mother was very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um as I said, she was she was my goddess and mm-hmm. it it's actually it's actually fascinating now. Something is arising if I could share, but please I remember being little and and my mother was very beautiful, um, very feminine always like put together and, you know, she never looked like a, a mess or messy uh-huh. and women would, uh, women would judge her all the time. I would watch them as I would walk behind her and like yeah. give them stinky faces because uh-huh. I could just feel so much judgment from women towards my mom mm-hmm. and it would make me really angry. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember that more so than, than things that I felt, with myself
1: yeah yeah it's it's so beautiful because <laughs> yeah. this is going to be such a gift not just for you and obviously your amazing husband and family but for women because even in the little bit that you just shared there like your mother was so beautiful and she was so feminine and always put together like there's just such a misnomer about what you said
2: mm.
1: and I don't know if you get it I get it you live in that world <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's where you're sort of literally living at 50% and that's a struggle for you. Mm -hmm. Where was dad in this? I haven't heard anything about dad.
3: Yeah. My dad was, um, my dad was, my dad was there when I was a little girl. My parents didn't divorce until I was about 12. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, uh, when we were young, we spent time, but it wasn't very intimate time. Mm -hmm. Um, he worked a lot and you know, his way of from my perception, his way of loving our family was to provide for us. Um, And him and I didn't really become close until my parents, um, until my parents divorced. And that was when he sort of showed up to like really be a intricate, very close part of my life.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, But yeah, I mean, I didn't feel, I didn't feel any negative. I wouldn't say there there was like a, I felt that he was proud of me, but it didn't feel like a presence that was like communicative or reflecting or mirroring anything to me. Like he was there and he was really stable, but it didn't feel like a deeply intimate um, kind of
1: relationship. What was his relationship like with your mom?
3: Um, Kind of same thing. Yeah. Um, uh, He definitely like... My perception was that he was like, he was lit up when he was like in situations with his buddies and Mm -hmm. they're playing games and watching football and playing pool. And, um, it kind of seemed like that lit him up more than anything else. Um, Okay. Do
1: You have siblings?
3: I do. I have a little sister.
1: And where is she? What's she like? What's your relationship like?
3: Uh, we have an incredible relationship now, but I... We hated each other until we were about (laughs) twenty-two. Okay,
1: (laughs) yeah, she's a good chunk of time. Two and a half (laughs) years
3: younger than me, Um, Mm -hmm. and she, yeah, two and a half years younger than me, and we did not get along as kids.
1: Mm. Okay, Um, so if I could wave a wand, right, what would what would you declare as something that you'd like for yourself?
3: I would love to wake up in the morning when my hair looks like I got in a fight with a weed whacker and is crazy and I have bags under my eyes and I have no makeup on and my skin is oily and I look I sleep really crazy (laughs) and I would love to just Wake up and feel like I love myself like that. And like I don't I don't need to do anything to be good enough or to impress anybody or and and I don't hear those voices in my head that, you know, just exhaust me. I would I would just love to just feel completely in love with who I am without anything.
1: Okay. Cool. Sounds good. How's that for you, Aubrey? Sounds like a dream. Sounds like your world. <laughs> for sounds her. like it. <laughs> and the way he perceives you. Um, <laughs> so, this, so listen. This this is fun because, like, I'm sort of like just leading you, obviously, as I do, to a point where you're going to sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel and go, dull, you know? Yeah. Because you've done so much work. So the reason I gave like attention to the way that you spoke about your mom. She's beautiful. You use the term goddess. She's always put together. So in your own understanding, can you see where the lie is in the way that you delineated the feminine?
3: Mm. That she was always put together.
1: Yeah. Now just think about that. Mm -hmm. See, what I hear is if I has which is what we do in language, we create a container as though that's the way it is. We use the word is as mm-hmm. though it's reality. What we don't understand is that the way we use is isn't descriptive, it's creative.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you just get that distinction, it's very powerful. Like you yeah. could say, oh, he is an asshole mm-hmm. about someone who's being rude or, or she is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But we declare it as though it's the way it is. Yeah. But it's not, it's just a point of view.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But to us, it's truth. So what I hear in the way that you've connected experiences from dancing, competing, coming second, winning, the mother who's all boys put together, you have a story of is Mm -hmm. about what beauty is, Mm -hmm. right? And beauty for you is collapse with worth. And so that's why there's so much at stake when you're getting ready or you're going out somewhere or you wake up and your hair looks like you've been hit by a weed whacker, and <laughs> <clears throat> right? Because the way that you relate to yourself consequently and then life and certainly as it relates to the way that you get accepted or don't is in that container of what it is to be feminine. hmm And even in the language that I know you guys use of queen and king and goddess, which they're they're fine. They're just not accurate. Mm -hmm. But they tend to reinforce the way that you think you have to be. Mm -hmm. Can you feel into that? Like it's not a choice for you. You don't have any choice. It's a have to. And what's it like for you to live a life where you have to? It
3: just feels limited and constricted and not free.
1: Totally. Yeah. So going back to my question, so what is the lie as it relates to the way that you describe the feminine using your mother as the archetype?
2: Mm.
1: That she's a goddess, that she was always put together, she embodied the feminine. Mm-hmm. Which anybody, a lay person listening to that, but oh my God, like a mum sounds extraordinary, you know, and like, oh my God, like that's like I wanna be that. And there's this sort of aspirational quality which you're embodying and have done for three plus two decades. Mm-hmm. 'Cause of course your mom never had gas and she never had a heavy cycle <laughs> and she never had diarrhea yeah. and she never like threw up and you know, right? Yeah. Right? She was the one human that was saved all of these like very biological things that we go. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm assuming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: so I'm sort of helping you a little bit with the lie. So why yeah. living in that world where can you see that you've collapsed femininity with being put together with some realm of goddess, which we can all get a visual about, mm-hmm. collapse with the way that you've probably heard that you're beautiful and you're pretty as a little girl. So all of that becomes your value proposition. Mm-hmm. And why is value important for a human being?
3: I mean, it's 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 what dictates the way that you act and not operate.
1: me, uh, Yeah, a human being. But it's better if you say I.
3: I. It's the way that I like dictate how I value something is, is the way that I, it dictates in the way that I act in my life.
1: And how you love yourself. And how I love myself. Right. And that's your relationship to you. But why generally for a human being, can you see that value, any kind of value, whatever it is, and there's multiple buckets that we all rely on, is of such paramount importance to a human being?
3: I don't know how to answer.
1: That's okay. Give it a <laughs> minute. I'll ask again. Mm-hmm. Take your time. So why is having some value proposition, and in your case, especially being a woman, especially having heard that you're beautiful, you're pretty, having have a mother who you aspire to look, to be, to emulate, which we mimic as kids, who was a goddess in your eyes, who was always put together. I'm just using your words. Mm-hmm. That to me creates this container that you live within, which is where you see, you see value. mm mm-hmm. But why is that value so important to anyone, particularly you?
3: It feels like it's the way that I perceive I will be loved.
1: Bingo. That's pretty important for a human, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now understanding that container that you live in and the means by which you try to garner love is through your appearance, your hair, your skin, your whatever, the one and a half hours you need to get ready, blah, blah, blah. Can you see the pressure that you're constantly under, which is that gazelle that's in fight or flight running? But in this case, what you're doing is you're under the impression that by means of appearance, something that you do, something that you look at to improve that is the way that you are going to get accepted.
3: Mm -hmm. So everything for me is conditional.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what's it like to live that life knowing that you're constantly trying to seek that approval and you're using the means of appearance to do it?
3: It doesn't feel very stable or safe or mm-hmm. peaceful.
1: For sure. And as somebody I would assert who's committed to genuine relationships, who wants intimacy, and I don't collapse that with physical, it's like connecting presence. Mm-hmm. What does, that, what does that prevent you from having? If your game that you're playing internally 24-7 is that I have to appear a certain way in order to be loved and accepted by everybody else, mm-hmm. what does that preclude from you? What does that have, does not allow you to access?
2: I
3: mean, it feels like just true intimacy, like real, real intimacy.
1: Yeah, that you can't access, right?
3: hmm
1: Yeah. where's your focus
3: on my appearance and how somebody is perceiving me based on my own value system with myself
1: yeah yeah so what's that like to look at that and to feel that that's the world you're living in that's the relationship that you are in
3: feels painful
1: yeah
3: i guess there's like a bit of grief because I do feel um, I do in my heart feel intimacy with people yeah um, but to also feel like there's like a greater capacity to experience it authentically
1: yeah
2: um, just feels sad
1: yeah it is sad Pretty isolating, isn't it? For somebody as loving and kind as you, who desperately is trying to connect, you're actually leaving yourself completely alone. When you see that, it is painful.
3: Yeah, and it's until, um, like, the last three years, be with Aubrey. um, I've
1: it's okay. This is great okay
2: I felt very alone in life
1: yeah especially when you're in relationships that were nothing like the one you're in what was that like you're alone and you're in a relationship with somebody who I'm guessing was far from loving
3: very very painful
1: yeah maybe at times literally physically right
3: yeah like catastrophic, devastating, annihilatingly painful.
1: Yeah, because you didn't stop trying, but it just didn't work there, right? Yeah. So the only means to try and get love and acceptance from the world was falling apart.
3: Yeah.
1: Which of course then tends to garner trying harder and harder and harder.
3: Yeah.
1: A lot of submission, a lot of denial of yourself, right?
3: Yeah, and it's it's an it's interesting because um, most of my past relationships there was like lying or betrayal or another woman, and and in a sense like not being chosen. Yeah, and ironically, I was never really choosing myself. Yeah. in a true way.
1: I think betrayal is a great word
3: betrayal of myself <laughs>
1: yeah where can you see that
3: i mean it, it, it's 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 still um i've gotten a lot better working with um i in mama gina's pleasure try certification and mm-hmm. having her voice in my head that won't be a stand for that critic in my head is very very helpful so i feel like i've i've gotten a lot better but Mm-mm. the betrayal is like it's just the tiny criticisms and self-judgment that i have all yeah. the time
1: so i'm gonna as is my want have a little twist here for you that might be shocking mm-hmm. i don't know who mama Gino, you know whatever who it doesn't matter no mm-hmm. offense to her yeah but being a stand or not being a stand for the critic, I would assert is one of your big problems. Now, why would I say that?
2: <sighs>
3: Maybe in a way I'm criticizing myself now.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, so let's come full circle. So your mom, the goddess, who's always put together, representing the feminine, why does that fall so short and why is there so immense amount of pressure on you and a lot of women these days? Because that's how the archetype of the feminine has been described.
3: I think it, it doesn't allow for something that I actually really stand for, which is like the parts that are messy and not put together and rageful and full of grief, and jealous, and just real and authentic.
1: Yeah. Did you get what you just said? Yeah. Where's Where's that put together in that?
3: Zero. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually it's actually what I love most, and I feel in ways. I, I mean, I think this is very nuanced, but yeah. you know my my album, my music, uh, the initiation I've been going through the past two years has been allowing myself to be my full spectrum, which is not Mm. put together, which is not perfect. It's fucking messy. Like it's, and that's what I feel attracted to right now in the feminine. I want to see like, you know, the part of you that's not just like, I'm loving light. Like sometimes I want to say, fuck you. Sometimes (laughs) I want to just be just real and not in this, container or this box of like society yeah. says this is good or my value system and my being says this is the way like yeah i i'm actually betraying a sense of what i see as as in in another aspect of me as the most valuable and the most beautiful
1: right so that's why i said the word betrayal was very apropos for you right mm-hmm. and now you're starting to put it together so a little girl creates her own definition of the feminine. Can't even take a fucking second place trophy. <laughs> so you started the foundation of perfectionism as you saw it as a value proposition to garner love and acceptance. So it's a coping mechanism. And for that reason, you were smart as a little girl. But now you've got this conflict between that, which is sort of somatic. It's part of who you are in your body, in your subconscious, which is the predominant power. Mm-hmm. With the intellectual woman who's like, No, but I'm a stand for fuck it. And sometimes be real is what you said. I'm like, let's get rid of the sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Right? Like to me, this is the most attractive you've looked in the whole time that we've been talking.
3: Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and why do I say that?
3: Uh-huh. Because it's true, it's real.
1: Yeah, it's the most real. Not that I can't appreciate the quality of how you did your hair and the makeup and I feel it's like beautiful. That. Yeah. Like I personally you know
3: (laughs) for me the weed whacker
1: look is like you know that's hot (laughs) because there's no barrier
3: yeah
1: and as part of the expression of the feminine there is the joy the beauty the exploration of one's divine goddess nature that can have different forms that are you know made up right
2: yeah right yeah so
1: can you see little girl's perspective mother and you adored her and i love that but the adoration became like for you, the misinterpretation of what a woman is.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I mean, the absolutely. And I also, I just, I feel as a woman, you know, growing up and seeing Cosmopolitan magazine and course, all the it. stars that look this way and that way and yeah. constantly idolizing this like idolized image yeah. of what, beauty and femininity and success and all of those, you know, types of things. Like, what does that look like? You know, I remember being super young and like, I want to wear makeup and I want, you know, like all the magazines say all this stuff and just the conditioning of.
1: Yeah. So I'm just going to change a little bit when I wanted to wear makeup. Uh I want you to consider that I that is speaking is not you. Mm. That's the inner critic that we're not a stand for,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is why I said, I want to turn that upside down. Yeah. Again, with all due respect to whoever's helped you in the past, everyone's got their own methods. But I want you to consider that I that wanted that little girl that wanted to put on the makeup that then subsequently criticizes herself for the breakout skin, the weed whacker hair, whatever it is. That's the part of you that you've yet to actually integrate and love. Mm. So in your own words, like, how would you interpret what I just said? You can use visuals, you can use feelings.
3: What I, what I think I got from what you said is that my inner critic that valued the world society's way of what <clears throat> beauty looks like and interpreted mm-hmm. that as the way that... Um, interpreted that as the embodiment of the feminine. Yeah. That that voice is still something that I haven't fully like integrated and found love for and like brought back into myself like there's still some level of like fracturing or yeah. separation with that part of myself
1: and how well is that working trying not to allow that to be there <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's <laughs> as much it's, as a stand as you it's are continuing, <laughs> not being
3: it's continuing pretty
1: persistent huh? yeah
3: it's i mean it's just it's yeah. continuing it's, the Perfectionism, in in another funny way.
1: Yeah, it's another slice of that same behavioral adaptation, isn't it?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna be a stand. I'm not gonna have the <laughs> critic. I'm gonna get this fucking. I'm gonna be the best at not having a <laughs> critic. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. Dope. <Dull. laughs> <laughs>
3: Was that like a Homer Simpson dope?
1: No, <laughs> well, yeah. it was mine, but yeah, yeah. I think he, he <laughs> might have started it. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So now you can start to see the mechanisms by which you've tried to garner value, which is really the part of you that you are not, that is founded in the, just the human fear of not being loved and accepted, which we all have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you're under the impression, where were you trying to get that love and acceptance?
3: from my mother from everything outside of me,
1: yeah, pretty much anyone who'd fucking give it to you, really, mm-hmm. like you know wherever you are, whatever guy you're with at the time, wherever yeah. like you're speaking in front of a group, like it basically to have it all in, all inclusive is just the outside world mm-hmm. What's interesting, just to reflect is
0: when you know you're in that in that mindset, no matter what I say, you won't really listen, or no mm-hmm. matter what anybody says you know like i could i could with full heart and radical like present consciousness just just reflect how absolutely gorgeous she is but there's like a there's a veneer that it won't penetrate past and other people can say it too and it's like it's it just won't won't make it through the force field yeah (laughs) i'm sorry i don't mean to apologize my love yeah I love you just as you are with all of this, with the force field. Yeah. Love all of it.
1: But if we can, we might as well get rid of it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'd like that.
1: Yeah. It's like an emotional condom. Man, I didn't think I was going
3: to cry the whole time. <laughs> yeah.
1: It is. <laughs> it's right? like emotional an emotional condom. condom. Yeah. Condoms it's, are it's lame. A, it's, yeah. I've used that with a few people. And they were like, oh my God, that's so accurate. That's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. You're trying to penetrate life, and you're just not getting anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it! I'm gonna impregnate life perfectly. It's like you might want to take the condom off.
3: Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I like
1: that. Isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful when you just like aren't conscious of yourself. You know, Thank it's you. like. <laughs> So, so what I want you to really get from this, and again, why I said this was going to be easy, but for you, it's so subtle. And sometimes that can be more drift, difficult because like I mentioned earlier, one of the quotes like being smart doesn't make you happy. It just makes you reasons why you're not more convincing because you're able to rationalize everything. Yep. But fundamentally, the way that you have constructed the way that you relate to life, which is primal, which is I want love and acceptance for you is through appearance. hmm. And for guys, it can be strength, it can be wealth, it can be status, you know, and for women too. But usually it's around appearance for a woman and particularly for you, I'm sure you heard. So your conditioning is like, oh, there's a different energy that I receive when someone's saying, oh my God, you're so pretty. Oh, I love your hair. Versus like, don't do that, Vi. Or like, or, you know, you came second. Like there's a different resonance that you pick up on. And of mm-hmm. course, we're going to favor the what feels like love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And so you collapse that energy with something about you. And so it's only natural, ipso facto, that, well, I want to have that energy. So I'm going to default to what garnered it, which is something about my appearance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you develop that tendency to perfectionism. Yeah. But the biggest lie of all that you've yet to get but hopefully you will, or you're getting soon, is that you think the love and acceptance is exogenous, that it's from somebody else. Mm -hmm. So why is that the lie? And why can it never, ever be fulfilled?
3: (sighs) Because I'm still not loving myself.
1: Right. And that would be a little bit more articulate because I'm going to hold you to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. So in language, why can it never be fulfilled? And this, by the way, for anyone also listening, this is the genesis of every addiction.
3: It, It feels like the only place that it can really come from is myself because whether or not like the same mirror that Aubrey just reflected of, you know, even with that, it's not satiating the, the, it's not satiating or fulfilling the love within me for myself. Right. It's just, it's, it's almost like a, like a hungry ghost. Like yeah. I, it's, if I, if I don't get that then I'm not enough, so I'm always going to be searching for it, and I'm. It's never. It's it's insatiable.
1: It is. That's hence why I said it's the genesis of every addiction. So mm-hmm. listen to my definition of addiction: is you can never get enough of something that almost works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then let that hit. Yeah, yeah. It's
3: like it's like having a, it's like having a quick hit. Yeah. But it, it never. It never. Heals what
1: and the reason being is because the energy that promotes the behavior that seeks the resolution or the relief in this case for you in your appearance to feel good enough about yourself that you are presentable to get the value for somebody else it's an actual substance where they get relief
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the genesis of that is the thorn in your side which is the lie that who you are isn't loved by just being you mm-hmm. See, as a kid, and I really want you to get this, and this may give you the chills. It's giving me the chills. As a as a baby, we don't have a narrative or a conversation that we're not loved for who we are. We don't we don't have conversation. We don't have language.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Auntie is holding us in our prada dress. We throw up because I'm an infant. There's not like oh shit, and there's definitely not an oh shit. It's fucking Gucci prada. Like the that doesn't exist. It's just mm-hmm. like we're being. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of adorable and it's actually cute and a parent will take care of it. But at some point, you learned, like every human being, that just being you, just being you,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: is insufficient. Mm -hmm. And you chose your path of trying to find sufficiency. Mm -hmm. Can you see that? Yeah. And that's the world of pressure and suffering and exhaustion that you've been living in for three plus decades. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But why it doesn't work is because it's not for the outside world to try and compensate for the part of you that feels as insufficient. The opportunity is what?
3: Can you say that again?
1: Yeah, it's not the way that we present it to ourselves, the way it occurs to us and certainly for you is that we think it's incumbent upon the rest of the world to provide enough value acknowledgement accolades and love to compensate for our own feeling of insufficiency mm-hmm. and that's why it can never be filled. because if everybody's playing that game first of all you see the futility of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: think about that it's kind of comical right like you're putting yourself together you're getting ready your hair your skin da 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 the 87th shampoo whatever it is <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> meanwhile it's like wherever you're at in your time zone there's millions of women who are on their way to dinner. What are they doing?
3: The same thing.
1: <laughs> and you, you want them to validate you? It's mm-hmm. like you hope they'll give you the love?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: What are they wanting?
3: I mean, in truth, the same thing that I'm wanting.
1: <laughs> right. Now you see the futility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You start to see how comical it is as human beings and how really unevolved we are, that we live in a place of inadequacy and insecurity everybody but what we are doing is we're hoping that somebody else from a position of inadequacy and security is going to provide the adequacy and security for us <laughs> 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 you can literally walk around oh. the high streets of your local town and say hey thanks for looking good for me today <laughs> like, What? Well, i don't know you no, but you took a lot of time you look great <laughs> i really appreciate it <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> that's silly yeah so what is the only way to truly reconcile this mechanism <sighs> I mean it's okay if you don't know but i mean i'm just i mean it, I,
3: it, the the answer that comes to mind just feels like a very um i mean it's it's just love myself
1: okay so that's a good okay. statement but it's a little generic it and until such ge- time that we know what generic. the self is yeah. i don't know if that's accurate so i need to you to love exp-
3: to love that to love and integrate that inner critic voice
1: that mm. i have that's a little different than what you said earlier isn't it yeah now, how does that hit? If you really get—that's why I said I'm going to turn that around for you. Mm-hmm. Before you were a stand, quote unquote, almost against creating resistance. Mm-hmm. Now you just made space for that critic.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels—it feels a lot more tender and compassionate, and yeah, less of a perfectionist <laughs> trying trying it feels like less trying yeah and more embracing
1: that sounds pretty feminine to me yeah (laughs) not so put together but does that matter
3: yeah
1: like imagine the most doting unconditionally loving mother and her kids on the floor just come in from outside playing in the mud and they got the new white carpets now, I'm not saying it's ideal, but what is that mother's energy towards that child? Assuming she's somewhat evolved.
3: Mm. Accepting, seeing them in their wild childhood and not yeah. scolding and screaming at them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Worrying about the fucking carpet. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, yeah. That to me is now you're getting closer to a definition of feminine that I can be with. Mm-hmm. Right. See, you only had half the definition,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a it's a wonderful half. I mean, I really admire when women put all this time and attention. They want to look beautiful in the whole world of cosmetics and clothes and hair products, and it's awesome. But that's not the whole picture.
3: Yeah, and I, it's also the it's also the relationship to it.
1: I'd say beyond also, it's more importantly that's what it is,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because that's the embodiment in the material world of the feminine, Mm -hmm. but to get to the real feminine, you have to get to the essence. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that's the bit that you were missing.
3: Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a very helpful, um, you know, we're after burning man at some point this year, want to become parents and to have this invitation for, um, healing within myself will be really helpful for me as a mother.
1: Yeah. And for your child and for your husband and for your community. Mm -hmm. And for every woman that's listening to this and man, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of men who equally have become skewed to think that that's what their wife, girlfriend, sister, mother is supposed to look like Mm -hmm. with all the best intentions. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make room for the vastness of what it is to be a woman
2: Mm -hmm.
1: or to be feminine. Yeah. So can you perhaps you know, and you don't have to get it right, but like recategorize, redefine the goddess, the feminine.
3: And articulate it.
1: Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect and you'll play with it after this. But like, even if you want to even envisage your mom, mm-hmm. give your mom a little bit of a break.
3: Mm-hmm. It's it's funny how yesterday, how you said uh, a client that you worked with after doing this work had a different memory of, yeah, of something history. and uh my mother actually had a lot of kali Madame Pele energy mm-hmm. and had wild anger like yeah i'm sure there there was there <laughs> were a lot of um there were a lot of sides to her also yeah. you know but the part that i the part that i you know sort of distilled was just the essence that i articulated earlier so yeah um
1: because that's your journey that's where you thought you were gonna find value mm-hmm. that's what you incarnated in
3: and 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 the other the other those other parts of her that were wild and you know angry or rageful mm-hmm. um, scared me
2: yeah
3: so I actually had a really long process of exiling doing a very good job of exiling the parts that didn't feel um i guess my my own perception of feminine
1: yeah yes yeah, so you did a good job as a coping mechanism you did a lousy job as a woman
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah 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 so i'm gonna have to give you the second place trophy <laughs>
2: i'll take it
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Progress. yeah amazing so i want you to consider even the way that you speak when you say there's this i I want you to consider the only thing that you've been missing and it's not only in small, it's everybody, but like there's this part of you that is associated with your humanity, which is beautiful, but is for that reason under the impression that it needs to survive.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And that part of you that needs to survive, you've used the mechanism of your appearance of beauty of the goddess previously defined as the mechanism for it to survive. Mm -hmm. And you were under the impression that it needed to get that love security accolades from the outside world. But if that's a part of you, and by extension, it's actually a part of everybody, what's the new opportunity?
3: Can you repeat that one more time? Sure.
1: So, there's a part of you, the thing that I was saying that I felt you and by extension, everyone is missing Mm -hmm. is there's a part of you that because you're human is under the impression that, as I said at a young age, you decided that being you was insufficient or not enough.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And the way that you sought to get that sense of value that was missing was from the outside world and you use the mechanism of appearance and beauty Mm -hmm. and what you previously defined as the goddess Mm -hmm. as the access to trying to find being loved and accepted. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So that part of you, what's now the new opportunity?
3: I don't know why it feels like it just keeps coming up for me to. it. It's like bringing all of that back into myself.
1: Yeah. But again, expand on that. So while I'm using the words particularly, see, like humans collapse multifacets of what it is to be human into the one word I.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like there's this just individual I. Mm-hmm. But I want you to consider there's vibe with multiple archetypes that you could embody Mm -hmm. and you sort of just pushed everything to one side in this goddess feminine as you previously defined as like that's who you have to be Mm -hmm. I'm introducing you to the part that you actually were a stand against Mm -hmm. and I'm wanting to make space and expand which is really what love is Mm -hmm. to go oh there's a part of me that by by default, because I'm human, feels inadequate, insecure, senses scarcity. And then we use whatever means we need to, to try and garner that from the outside world, Mm -hmm. which is the addiction because you can't get it because the mechanism that's trying to get it is by design flawed. Mm -hmm. So in lay terms, there's a part of you that's flawed Mm -hmm. and you've done whatever you've done, as we've described in this conversation to try and mitigate that, overcome it, compensate for it, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't work. Yeah. So then what's the opportunity?
3: I mean, it feels like just to, it feels like to just accept all of me, (laughs) like just parts that are messy, the parts that are, it's just loving the realness.
1: So this is so perfect. So again, to keep it simple, like really sort of a sort of like everybody's bipolar at one level. Mm -hmm. You have a part of you that by design, by design, is flawed, imperfect, feels inadequate. And yet the mechanism that uses is to try and garner all of the things that it feels insufficient about and have from the outside world. Mm -hmm. But we've just seen that doesn't work Mm -hmm. because you're perpetuating the idea that there's something wrong with that and then you're trying to fix it. Mm -hmm. By the world of fixing, that's how people live. But when you step back and you see, oh, that's a part of my humanity.
2: Mm.
1: So, you did say it, but the love and acceptance opportunity is not to try and get it, but to have it Mm -hmm. for the part of you that doesn't feel it. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Then everybody can think whatever the fuck they want to think about you. Yeah. It doesn't. So now all of a sudden you went from never getting it to always having it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like being in that place of like, as B and Asri would say, like unfuck with the bull. Yeah. Because there's still, um, there's still elements of me that get, that wiggle when there's a negative reflection or judgment or people saying mean things on Instagram. Like I haven't of overcome course. because there's some part of me, you know, that's in this world of value that I'm living in that yeah. to some degree agrees
1: with it. Yes.
3: And then that impacts me
1: doesn't impact you. It impacts that part of you that will never, ever feel sufficient. Do you have a scar, physical scar anywhere on your body?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: On, your, on your right knee? On my knee, yeah. Okay, great. How long ago did that happen?
3: Mm, I was probably like seven. It was from, we were in Hawaii. My family lives in Hawaii and I was, right. I was from a volcano rock. Just yeah.
1: like took off some of my skin. Great. Now, until I asked you, do you have a scar? Was your attention on that?
3: No, I forgot I had it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. that's what happens to this part when uh-huh. you integrate it accept it and aren't trying to do anything about it
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? that scar's been there but doesn't impact you mm-hmm. the quote unquote psychological emotional scar what it is to be human is by default the feeling of inadequacy the feeling of separation the feeling of insecurity mm-hmm. everybody's got it and then everybody has their means of trying to mitigate it through external means mm-hmm. but it doesn't work because what you're doing is saying, "Oh, no, I'm not supposed to have that." Even you even said, "Like yeah. I'm a stand against that part of me."
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's what I said. With all due respect and whatever,
3: <laughs>
1: it's the opposite. Uh-huh. That part of you is yeah. asking to be part of you.
3: Is asking to be loved.
1: That's all it is. Yeah. Which is the feminine. Mm-hmm. How ironic!
3: Yeah. You
1: thought you were being the feminine, which was a complete so denial.
3: How hubris of me! <laughs> <laughs>
1: so what a beautiful prelude to you being a mother
2: yeah
1: that you finally get to understand what it is to be a mother which is to recognize that by design you can't help but at times be feel express imperfection Mm -hmm. and that is part of your beauty Mm yeah yeah so you've only, only been fighting your humanity.
2: <laughs> easy, easy battle.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wondering why it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, one of again, one of my quotes to say one of the hardest parts of being human is being is human. Being human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you get to actually yeah. be human. Yeah. But isn't that beautiful?
3: It really is. And and it just it just feels so it feels so much more like fluid and and yeah. flowy and soft and gentle and like my my nervous system no longer feels contracted. It feels really relaxed and yeah. at ease. Um, and it's it's actually I keep I keep having this thought in my head. Uh one of the members here yesterday it was really sweet. She was uh having a moment and just, you know. She was she was crying and just having a moment at how beautiful the experience of being in this container is and mm-hmm. and I came over and and I just gave her a hug and I gave her some love and and she said I can't believe people like you exist and she looked me in the eye with her eyes tearing and just said like I see your beauty that's on the inside and like made it a point yeah. to say that multiple times yeah because she wasn't looking at my face or my hair yeah what i was wearing it was like i see you on the inside yeah that was really meaningful to uh, so, receive
1: yeah so how ironic that the language you use as you went over gave her a hug to give her some love Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and yeah what did you get love yeah
3: i received it
1: yeah and beyond received it you could say i revealed it mm. mm-hmm And that's what we're awakening here. Because see, I want you to understand, love doesn't have an agenda. Yeah. But you've been living with a complete agenda. Yeah. And through no fault of your own, which is actually where love and compassion comes in, because it's kind of adorable that this little girl, now a woman, has had so much focus, attention, energy, it's exhausting isolation around the way that she was hoping to be loved and accepted. Meanwhile, all along, the place to look, you know, as they said, like, i've forgotten the story but like someone said you know god's got to hide somewhere and they're like you know what's the best place to look like well hide inside of everybody no one looks there
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. terrible paraphrasing but the point is that you're looking for the love from everybody else and in fact what's asking to be activated is the love that you are Mm -hmm. and love is totally capable of making space for the part of you, the part of you that feels it needs love because it's imperfect.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's such a subtle, it's such a subtle shift. Um, yeah. It's, it's, but it's so profound.
1: Isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's true freedom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because now you can look like this on camera with mascara and tears. and. Yeah. I promise you, there's a lot of mascara and tears on the other side of the lens <laughs> and love that they thought you're giving them that they're also revealing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is, I'm human. Yeah. And by design, for that reason, I'm imperfect. And I'm totally okay with that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it actually feels it's interesting how we started this conversation about like the war <laughs> on cancer and the war. I mean, even the. Mm-hmm mentality that i had of being a stand a, you know stand for stand against it's like this you know i need to purge this i need to get rid of this i need to yeah.
1: um
3: which is actually like opposite of the way i see most of life mentally, and the world yeah. mentally and yes i'm and yet i'm still um you were
1: past tense. were
3: thank you and yet i was in that war with myself and now reperspecting having that perspective shift is is it's really, really massive.
1: It's massive. And it
3: feels gentle and sweet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I can be worse, but... No, You've been very gentle with me. Thank you. <laughs> you see me.
0: Yeah. It's, it seems, it occurs to me that there's, you know, perhaps more in the feminine than the masculine, there's a, a war on your age. Yeah. And I, you know, would just invite you to Share from your perspective, the war—the war against age starts young, where young, young women, girls Mm -hmm. want to be women because they see the magazines, they see the movie stars. It's like you're young and you're like, "This isn't good. I'm young. I want to be older. I want to have bigger boobs. I want to have bigger boobs. I want to have makeup. I want to be. I want to be older, older, older. And then you reach this point, and then you're competing with everybody of that same. And then you start to get older, and then it's a war to be younger. Yeah. And the war to be younger is leading to more Botox, more surgery, more yeah. implants, more this, more that. And this war can continue for the entirety of your life. And it's, you know, yeah. such a tragedy for me to see, yeah. like the actual true beauty, yeah. you know, being at war with whatever time and whatever stage
1: yeah. that you're in. It's a, it's a perpetual battle. Yeah. I mean, and it really, one of again, one of the quotes, because that's how language comes through me. I say, you know, we'll never have world peace as long as people are at war with themselves. Yeah. And it really is. And males have their own version, right? Around performance and wealth and status and strength and speed and even looks to a certain degree. But for the women in that primal kind of default, it's the beauty, right? And the man, it's the strength and the stability. So, but if you can really go to where I'm, pointing to and inviting you to dive into age becomes redundant Mm -hmm. now why can I say that
3: I mean it feels like it's 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 not something that you're like measuring yourself by
1: I definitely am not and and we could say one I know you're talking collective no it's okay it's not you're accurate but it's just whilst you're in this phase it's Uh good for you to own it Uh yeah so so why is age redundant from the space that I'm speaking about that I'm inviting you to Mm -hmm. be did you have a grandma that you loved or I did yeah
3: yeah
1: And as a little girl looking at an old woman, Mm -hmm. to what degree were you conscious of age? Not at all. Because what were you focused on?
3: Just her being. Which was? Beautiful and wise and loving.
1: Yeah. Focused on the latter, right? Loving. Mm -hmm. So why is age redundant?
3: I don't know how to answer.
1: That's okay. What <laughs> mechanisms were you using to try and get something from the outside world?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, beauty,
1: right? So that was the means by which you were trying. That was your agenda. The mm-hmm. addiction that was unfulfillable.
3: Mm-hmm. So it, age feels like it's it's the same thing as the beauty. Yeah, from that perspective.
1: So from that perspective, for yeah. that part of you, but that part of you is unfulfillable. It's a it's a flawed design of being human. It's actually the gift that it is to be human, because it, without that, we don't actually get to learn the quality that we're here to learn,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is love. Yeah. So then, why is age redundant? Again, this is deep. So again, I'm yeah. asking you profound questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From what you've just discovered. Uh-huh. What have you just discovered, like in lay terms for yourself?
3: Um that <clears throat> accepting and and loving myself for mm-hmm. all of the parts of me that are imperfect, criticizing, you know, like calling all of that back into myself and just having a loving acceptance of of mm-hmm. all of me. Yeah. Is um is the new
1: story great and is that love dependent on age no right so then why is age redundant what are we really looking for love right and is love dependent on age
2: no
3: yeah. do you see mm-hmm.
1: isn't that cool
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> hence
1: why I asked about grandma <laughs> yeah 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 so now can you recontextualize who it is to be Vi?
3: I I can hear this the quote that that Blue always says that oh, I'll probably mess it up a little bit, but it's 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 not about how you look or what you do, but it's about how much you love. Yeah, that feels like you know, and 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 that being a a mirror to the opportunity that I have with with myself to yeah love all of me,
1: right. And so I would just put the little caveat there, the disclaimer of how much you love can be interpreted of like how much you love as Mm, a verb. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I want to invite you to consider it's a way of existing. It's Mm -hmm. not a thing you do. Yeah. That's the difference. Because a lot yeah. of women, their means of garnering acceptance is the people play. Your perfectionism is a little bit more about you and your appearance. For mm-hmm. a lot of women, their perfectionism is like, oh, I've got to be more of a care provider. I've got to do better. The guy that keeps hitting them, like if I'm a better wife, he won't hit me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: right? So they, I have to do love more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: With the complete absence of love for, self. for them. Mm-hmm. So their form of abuse is literal. Your form of abuse is self-imposed. Mm-hmm. Right and still literal. It's an experience that affects your nervous system, your sleep, and everything else. Mm -hmm. Is ironically the precursor to the things you don't like about your skin and your hair because you're Mm -hmm. in a state of disease, right?
3: And and probably how I'm constantly manifesting everything. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. That's (laughs) the (laughs) irony: is you're going to look way more beautiful when you quite quote, don't give a shit. Yeah, Mm. (laughs) because the body is in a state of like homeostasis and vitality, and things are flowing.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So now, if we look, we're shifting. Like the priority and where we're putting our attention on what we consider to be of importance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Your focus was for lay, you know, in, in, in the catch all bucket of appearance. Mm-hmm. Now, where can you shift your focus of what's of significance for you?
3: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the value is how I love myself completely. Yeah. So,
1: very first podcast I did with this beautiful man here, one of the biggest, uh, Responses I got to the thing that I said, as I said to him, "I'm in love." Now most people hear that as a "Oh, that's cool." Who with?
3: With who? Mm-hmm.
1: I said, "No, I'm in love." Mm. That's different. Yeah. And like, I don't think I got more DMs on any podcast than I did from that. Of like, wow, like that hit hard. Mm-hmm. So what I hope you get from this is that I just introduce you to being in love, not as something you do, not as a practice. Oh, I have to love myself. No, you're just in love, <laughs> but you weren't. You were in. I know this sounds hard, but you were in a degree of hate.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that feels very. Um, that reframe feels very expansive in my heart. Yeah, my heart, my whole heart felt like it just opened as everything continued to relax more. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Isn't that beautiful?
3: And and being, you know, and to reflect on what you said being in love um and and this is something that came to me as an idea recently of you know, cuz I'm 35 and I'm my body is changing and it's the first time I'm really experiencing that in mm-hmm. in my life. And, um, you know, I haven't been in a battle with it, but it's something that I've been noticing. And one thing that I wanted to uh, commit with myself is like being in love with 35, being in love with what it looks like to be 36 and 40 and mm-hmm. 60 mm-hmm. and, um, you know, doing my best to n- not want to change that um and to like really just what you said just be in love
1: yeah well for the first time in your life you now actually have a shot at doing that
3: yeah Mm. and i actually and i think that (coughs) i think that as a woman in the world that that's a really revolutionary act
1: it's massive that's why i said at the beginning the difference you'll be making for women who are playing the game maybe in different iterations but there's a lot of focus on appearance for sure Mm Will be looking at themselves now and going, holy shit! Like I have actually, at the deepest level, been hating myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That is not an ex- not an aspect of love. Yeah. And yet, on the surface, the the masquerade, the facade is, oh, I'm so loving. You gave that woman love, not mm-hmm. realizing actually what you were getting. Yeah. Was oh, I might not be in love myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what a beautiful act of service to not reify. And make real all of those ideas and constructs Mm -hmm. that put you at war against yourself. But instead recognize yourself as a unique perspective in a field of loving awareness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that your incarnation as well as your awareness is in a constant state of evolution. Yeah. And it's evolving through age, through time, through experience. But every iteration and evolution of that unique perspective is still actually always abiding in the field of loving awareness Mm -hmm. which collectively in totality which we all share in a holistic sense is perfect Mm -hmm. this world if anything is perfect the whole world itself the whole cosmos itself must be perfect Mm -hmm. it is if there what if it can't be better than Mm -hmm. it can't be like this is the fucked up cosmos. <laughs> I mean, now it, that's a real shit way <laughs> to live is that we're in an imperfect cosmos. But yeah. mm-hmm. it has to be perfect because mm-hmm. it's, you're participating in the whole of everything. In the whole of everything, it either is love or it isn't. Mm-hmm. And and it, so it goes and speaks to the whole worldview about the whole universe itself.
3: Yeah. And, and, and in the same way, it's like the mirror of how much how empowered do you feel to see your own war within yourself or the struggle within as directly mirrored to what you, what you see outside of yourself and like mm-hmm. the heroic thing to do is this.
1: this is and the it's the thing I'm work. the
3: most empowered to do. And then to, you know, yeah. through the process to be able to share it. And, um, Yeah. and that feels really, really good.
1: And beyond share it, you know, your presence is enough is an expression I use when you embody that frequency. Mm -hmm. People feel it. There's someone who's become friends recently of mine who I actually haven't spent much time with her, but I've spoken to her husband a lot and they're a beautiful couple older and she's one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And because she's not done anything
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and she's okay with that. And there's a piece about her that's palpable now. We could argue genetically, I think she modeled maybe when she was a little younger, so she's got good features and the long gray hair mm-hmm. and just is, to Aubrey's point, the embodiment of love of whatever stage her humanity's at.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you start to see like these cameras that now obviously have the higher technology and different, but before there's the light and then there's the film, like especially in a motion picture, that is scrolling before the light mm-hmm. that projects onto the screen. And so the light throws our life out there for us to see, for others to see. But there's a constant flux. It's never the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even like now, in this hour and bit we've been chatting, our bodies are literally different by virtue of cells dying, autophagy, <laughs> new cells being born. Right? Yeah. Which is a weird thought for most people. Like Peer we think it's being drained. And
0: <laughs> and I
3: feel like, uh-huh. right. I feel like My whole body feels so wildly different.
1: Okay, good. Yeah, because yeah. you're definitely a little person. So like as you saw when I work with someone, the degree to which our energetic signature of trauma and hatred can manifest physically, that woman's retina that actually comes off her eye because she's so desperately trying to figure out the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your heart expansion, your body now will literally be receiving different like signatures of how to show up based on the frequency you're adopting. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's why I said it will be actually effortless for you to try what you were trying to do before in terms of your beauty and your appearance will now just be a natural byproduct to the fact that you're all all embracing, all accepting. Mm -hmm. So when we understand that analogy, like the film that is constantly scrolling in a motion picture is the essence of who we are as humans, but the one consistent is the light. That doesn't change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we could argue that that, without sounding too poetic, the one consistent is love. And that who I think I am, who I misidentify myself with is simply the scroll, the narrative, the story that is my lifeline, but is never, ever the same at any given moment. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in love, then all aspects are okay.
3: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Not too big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that yeah. cool? It's so cool. And I mean I I you know, I I know what it is to struggle as a woman and just to feel yeah. um potentially how impactful this could be for so many women is yeah. like makes me really happy to yeah at all.
1: <laughs> and even more so, like the timeline that now you just evolved to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The Vi that was trying to help other women was in her own war with herself. Not saying you didn't have impact, but it was some at some level manipulative and inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Not intended. So there's no guilt or shame. But now you step to a different timeline because you adopt a different frequency, which actually can make that difference that you were trying to do from a place that you couldn't
2: hmm
1: that's cool
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah and
0: one of the things that you shared with me and i forget which one first or second podcast but you said the world doesn't need anything from you aubrey except for you to be aubrey yeah yeah the world doesn't need anything and yeah and that really landed and it's been yeah. Reiterated in in my own journeys. Whenever whenever I ask, like it's, don't worry about what you do. What you do will be a natural product of yeah. who you be. And yeah. when when I get to be myself, things flow easily. Yeah, magnetically, I attract the people and the situations and the ideas that come through. And it's a it's a joy. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that deep confidence, you know, that I have in myself. You know that's been in evolution. Of course, is why like people ask me like, "How you feeling? You nervous about this fit for service or this thing? Is it stressful?" Or I know you must be exhausted. I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. not really. Just
2: go up there and crush
3: it. Yeah, it's
0: just (laughs) because because my being, my being is what actually transmits. And sometimes you know when my being is the the higher the state of my being, the more Aubrey I am, the more effortless and magical and beautiful that product of aubreyness is Mm -hmm. so like all of the energy focusing on waking up and like really stepping into the fullness of aubrey which i've given you know the name dragon heart as like the Mm -hmm. the that's the me that's the very best and 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 i it's not that the other parts aren't as good but it's just that's me in the full aubreyness that's like without any of the limiting beliefs without any of that like dragon heart when Dragonheart just exists, the world is magical and amazing things happen. Mm. And I'm abiding in the truth, actually, the fucking truth. It's like, I'm living out of the lie. All the prisons are fucking lies. Mm-hmm. So I'm living in the truth, like the realness, like Dragonheart is real. Everything else is a fucking fiction. It's all my uh, illusion, mm. Mm. you know, but that fullness of, yeah. All right, here I am, that place where the demon and the Buddha touch, the fullness of self. And that's been you know, a big part of the evolution in, in the years since, since we've known each other, is deeper and deeper contact mm-hmm. with that aspect of myself. Yep. And it doesn't mean that I don't slip into other patterns and, mm-hmm. and lose sight of that and sometimes need to be reminded. And you've been there to remind me like, hey, sad sack over here with your little pity party. <laughs> I'm hey hey are. Dragonheart. Mm-hmm. You in there buddy? Mm-hmm. No. Not. <laughs> you know, but that's
3: exactly how I say it. He's so good at storytelling. <laughs> sad sack.
0: <laughs> say you <laughs> sad sack super over feminine. there. Yeah. <laughs> but that's I mean ultimately and ultimately I actually invite that. Mm. You know because in some ways that's a little bit of the kind of the magic that you have is you are really loving and compassionate, but not coddling. Right, right. So if Peter was there, if Peter was there as my coach, I'd be like, "Hey, what are you doing there, buddy? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know." And it just reminds, it can remind <clears throat> me of the truth that I already know. Mm-hmm. As I hope to be able to remind you of the truth that you're stepping into now mm-hmm. is the absolute, unparalleled radiance and beauty of violin the unique violin That's what I'm fucking in love with. That's what I've been in love with since the moment I've been there with you. And the sadness for me is when you can't see it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the the heartbreaker, you know? Or, and other times too, like where you'll make choices and I'll feel like, like you'll wear an outfit that you're really physically uncomfortable in and we'll go to dinner we'll have a. a <laughs> we'll, we'll be going to dinner we'll be going to dinner and you'll have an outfit where you can't really sit in it oh yeah you can't dance in it and you can't walk in your shoes and you're like here i am isn't this great and i'm like yeah babe you look great but like that what would i i would rather have you in fucking you know dunks and and like jeans this. and like whatever and just be like free to be able to stand up and get up and dance and just radically express the fullness of who you are rather than wow you're really put together vi Mm. i'm getting an erection just looking at how put together
1: (laughs) you are You know, I'm like, it doesn't work like that. I am an emotional condom on. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to get a lot of mileage. <laughs> I can remember I was asked to go on this TV show many, many years ago. It's called uh, Relationship Rehab. And it was these three women who were in different ways, like dating experts. One wrote a column, one was a matchmaker, and one had like some radio show about dating. But none of them had relationships. <laughs> so that was sort of the you know, the, the, the comedy of the show and it's like, okay, well, why are these experts themselves struggling in relationships? And I remember I walked in and I hadn't met, I had met this guy. I was talking to a girl who wrote a column for Elle or something. And, uh, I sat down and I said, wow, you look stunning. You kind of remind me of a porcelain doll. Like she was so put together and she's like, oh, thank you. I said, no, that wasn't a compliment. (laughs) I was like, I really don't have any interest in cuddling with a porcelain doll. (laughs) You know, that was my first foray into like, that might be one of the obstacles to you actually having intimacy is that it's just Mm -hmm. way too together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? This is like, and this is to me, the beauty of when you understand love is uh, it's very easy, particularly for a woman or any human being to love the parts of you that you like. Yeah but then that's not love. Yeah. That's preference. Yeah. And now you've got actually the introduction to love. Yeah. Which is, damn it. Got to include the parts of me that I don't like.
3: Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> it it's, it's beautiful because I've, I've, I, uh, I have a one sister who's here that we've been through my sister, Caitlin, we've been through hell and back together in a mm-hmm. very chaotic relationship. and um, one thing that I learned about with her so deeply is like, it's easy to like the parts of your friends that you love and that are easy and, you know, seamless, but like what happens when they reveal a part to you that is full of charge and trigger and judgment and all these things, like, can you love them then? And I got to learn that lesson really, really deeply with her. And we have the most extraordinary love and friendship that I could possibly imagine. And having that as almost like a beacon of how I want to be with myself because yeah. I know how I showed up in the moments with her.
1: Yeah. It's easier, not easy, but it's easier for us to love everybody else's humanity, but we really struggle with our own. Yeah. But that's the real like, mountain to conquer. It's like, wow, if I, who I am, like I said earlier, is in love, then every aspect of this avatar called Peter Crone with his genius and his shortcomings and his whatever, is like, it's all included. It's all allowed. Mm-hmm. And people will have like someone might say, "Oh, you're brilliant," and somebody like, ah, "I don't know, you're a fucking anti vaxxer or like, like it's like it's all it's all available. Like it's like okay, cool. There's still love here, yeah. and within love, there's preference for what works for me and doesn't, right? So it, it's not not love that I'm subservient.
2: Yeah,
1: it's love includes me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And now for the first time in your life, you get to truly include all parts of you. Yeah. Yay! Mm, that's cool. <laughs> Got a whole lot more wife. <laughs> <laughs> Here I come fit yeah. for service. <laughs> oh, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, thank so you. beautiful. Thank, thank, thank you. you. So thank you for the gift that you are, and all the best intentions you've had that now can actually be realised in the absence of you. It's sort of a dissolution process, right? Mm-hmm. That's the irony. There's a part of you trying, and in the absence of you, everything that you were trying to get just suddenly reveals itself. Yeah. How cool is that?
3: It's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for everything that it took for you to be exactly as you are just watching you i i I write a watching you serve everyone yesterday it was just mind-blowing and i knew we were doing this today and before i go to sleep every night i put an alarm and it'll say today will be and i'll just listen and -hmm. whatever comes through is what i'll write and Mm -hmm. uh i wrote mind-blowing for today so Mm -hmm. um had officially manifested, so thank you.
1: <laughs> and heart expanding. And heart expanding.
3: Mm-hmm. Heart expanding and mind blowing. It's the
0: heart expanding that blows the mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's shifting that locus of identity and attention <clears throat> mm-hmm. from this head. The ego can't help itself but know itself in relative terms in mm-hmm. comparison. Mm-hmm. It's a ranking system. It's not real, so it has to use reference points itself Mm -hmm. to like here's where i am in this spectrum here's wealth here's power here's beauty here's followers whatever whatever but Mm -hmm. it's it's always it only knows itself in relative context whereas the truth of who we are does not need to know itself in relative context because it's related to everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it simply is so, yeah. And that's, that's the wisdom of the heart. That's the heart's eye. So if the heart is looking at yourself in the mirror, the mirror will go from a prison to actually a celebration. Yeah. You know, it'll be, it'll be a place of like, wow, how cool.
3: I, I guess I do have a a question. Okay. If I can, you know, if I, if I, but now that I have the awareness, yeah. which is the first gift of, freedom yeah. because I now can act from a different place but yeah. would you suggest any type of um, integrative like if, I, if I'm if i in the mirror and something comes up and mm-hmm. um, any type of advice or guidance as to how sure. I navigate
1: yeah so we could you know like there's only so words that I feel are like synonymous so we could say presence uh, and love and freedom and acceptance I feel they're all bedfellows so in that case you know, there's the experience of what you see, and then there's the filter of what you say about what you see.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But behind all of it is just presence. Mm-hmm. There's the awareness that I'm aware. You know that I am that I am. Mm-hmm. And then so really when people were like, my athletes particularly, oh shit, I wish I could just get out of my own way. Like there's an accuracy to that, even though it seemed like an oxymoron. Mm -hmm. So what they're saying is get out of their own way, like the essence of who they are, which is in their case, pure potential and great performance, unencumbered by the, I get out of my own way, the idea of like, oh, I failed, I did something wrong, don't make a mistake. So in the absence of self, little self, you're just left with presence of what is. Mm-hmm. So even when you're in the mirror, if there is a conversation that seems you know, derogatory, judgmental, critical, presence is still okay with that. Mm. That's why I said it's the antithesis of the way you'd framed it. Like yeah. I'm a stand, you're trying to resist that, which is the war, which is the fight, which is the disease, which is the breakout and the suffering.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas the anger, the frustration, the criticism, they all have place. Now, the irony is, the more that we find that sense of internal peace and acceptance of ourselves, those more sort of categorized as negative emotions tend not to arise. Yeah. Like, it's very, very rare for me to get upset, to feel hurt, get angry. And yet, if they do, they're welcome. Yeah. And the irony is, in the welcoming, which is another expression of acceptance and love, Mm -hmm. they dissipate.
3: Yeah. It was the same with me for anger. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like it's it's so beautiful and it seems so contradictory to how most people live their lives. I can remember being in Whole Foods one day, this is many years ago, and a guy I'd seen in a workshop a few years before came in and he's definitely looked flustered. And I said, You you okay? Like he's like, "Ah, oh, no, I'm just I'm I'm just struggling. I'm pissed. I'm like, okay, well you know, like, why? What's going on? Like, I, you know, and he said, well, you know, like, since I saw you, I did a bunch more workshops. And so now immediately I can hear what's going on, right? Which is like, he's done all this work, but he's still pissed. (laughs) So like, oh man, God, this is embarrassing. Because, you know, I used a lot of humor. I'm like, I haven't seen a pissed person for a really long time. (laughs) Like, this is embarrassing. Like, I don't know anyone actually gets angry anymore, apart from you. (laughs) So he starts to crank up a little bit. And it's like, he realized the futility of the fact that he'd done all this work. And so now there's a superimposition and expectation. That means that he's never human anymore. Yeah. And it was just so liberating from right there. I was like, okay, well, but are you angry less? He's like, oh yeah, wait. And I'm like, could you take that as progress? You know? <laughs> Maybe have a little glimmer of frustration periodically, you yeah. know, like that's still, that's a good direction, uh-huh. you know? And so it's just being vast enough, big enough as a human being that you can allow all of it. Mm-hmm. And that's where you were in conflict with yourself is because you were denying something that literally, literally can't be denied.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why it doesn't work. Yeah. And now it's like, "Ah.", oh, oh, <laughs> I can be a bitch, I can be <laughs> stunning, I can be angry, I can be kind. It's all there. Yeah The gamut of being human is available to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's presence, and that is love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and from that place it tends to refine the way that you show up as a human too so the things that we ironically are always trying to mitigate get rid of or deny or hide they tend to just dissolve anyway
2: mm-hmm.
1: i had a i had a friend who is a uh, queen's kind
0: of who is a track coach mm-hmm. and his specialty was the start
4: mm-hmm. off
0: the blocks right mm-hmm. whatever gun or yeah. light or whatever <laughs> technique they used to start the race, the sprint, usually mm-hmm. like hundred meters, 200 meters. And he would teach his athletes to before they got in there to say, I am. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting because he was kind of like, mm-hmm. he wasn't like a spiritual guy, right. but he got that in, that in that one moment of just saying I am, it dropped his athletes into, a, into the field of awareness where yeah. they didn't have to think about now I need to start because here's the gun. I wonder what this race is. When is it going to happen? Yeah. I am dropped them into the field. Yeah. And the field allowed them to actually perform yeah. and come off the blocks faster. Yeah. So it's not like you were saying, I think a lot of affirmation was like, I am fast. Right. Well, then that puts a yeah. puts a an idea of what you are, which is not true. Sometimes you're fast, sometimes you're not. You're just you are. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I am beautiful. Well, all right. Well, then you're You're still you're still limiting yourself rather than just the simple i am and i've always remembered that as like (laughs) yeah yeah that's a powerful technique because it just puts you back in the field as that unique perspective and a point of universal awareness yeah
1: yeah and to to sort of continue on the thread of like me speaking with the group yesterday and making these associations between energy emotion behavior and physiology having worked with a ton of athletes, especially like, you know, some baseball guys who are talented, but they would struggle striking out and they didn't know why. And to that point, what happens physiologically, and that's a great cue or note for someone I am, is there's the absence of the I am something. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, which like even like even I did this, like creates tension, like I am something, I'm fast or I'm not fast. Either way, there's resistance, right? Mm -hmm. So physiologically, what happens is if you're declaring anything that creates expectation in time, failure or pressure, you have to be tense to whatever micro degree. And then the microphili of the muscles are in a position,
2: Mm.
1: right? Embraced. So now, before you do anything, what has to happen? you have to first release to then move. Mm -hmm. So albeit microseconds, you're slower because you were tense. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. So all my athletes are like, holy shit. Like no wonder when I'm drunk or tired, like I play well, because you're so relaxed. Like you can't be in a state of tension. So your response time is quicker because you're not tense going to release, move. You just go from relax, move.
3: Yeah. I feel like I I experienced that when um, I, so when I do sound healing, I mean, I'm, I'm an absolute presence with mm-hmm. the field. There's yeah. no thinking like, I mean, it's just pure, pure presence, pure yeah. pure being, pure transmission. And when I sing my music, which is funny because my song Phoenix, the lyrics are I am, and that's all I ever need to be. And that's an initiation that I'm still yeah. working on, you know, yeah. um, but when I sing my music, there's still a part of me that yeah. has...
1: Was, you don't that know. Was, we'll see, see was what happens. That, yeah. ha- mm-hmm. that
3: had, as I performed the other night, like a subtle tension where my body doesn't totally yeah.
1: feel Yeah, because it's still that like little girl who doesn't want to become 2nd
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So the irony is the music with the sound healing or the sound baths happens in the absence of you. Mm-hmm. In your soul. It. And it
3: feels like heaven, and it's so
1: right. peaceful because and heaven wonderful. Heaven is love, is <laughs> yeah. But Aubrey, Viola, anybody is in the way of what is. See, my work, why it works and the p- profound nature that it has or the impact it has is I'm, I'm just getting rid of you and revealing what's already there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: See, there's love is there, I know it's there. And then we've got this little girl who's trying to be something to get it. I'm like, yeah, but if you're not there, you see the love that's already there, (laughs) right? yeah. So that's it. It's a dissolution process. Mm -hmm. Again, I can't give you something you don't already have. And that's why the work works because a lot of coaches are trying to do something for you. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get rid of the you that you think is you that is in the way of what that you is trying to get.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's a dumb (laughs) dresser. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah. yeah. Isn't that cool? It's like, damn it, we're so stupid. (laughs) Mm. Amazing. Such a joy to be with you, my dear.
3: Thank you so much. To
1: see this new version of you be revealed.
3: I'm excited. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to be a lot less exhausted. Yeah. And uh, just a lot more alive.
1: Yeah. A lot more real. Yeah. And just for the sake of a visual representation that people will see now that I point it out, The first half of this interview, you spent, I would say, 80 to 90% of the time with your eyes closed. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, I know some of it is because you're trying to connect and and think uh and feel. So there's an appropriateness there. But I also want you to consider that it's a way that you were emotionally learning to protect yourself over time. Like there's a part of you that's hidden. Mm -hmm. And now you actually get to see and be there without any fear.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that feels true.
1: Right? So it's a subtle thing, but I see it. And like, there's a degree to which like, even in the imposition of a question, you might not know the answer, which can be awkward. You're in the hot seat, I'm doing this work with you. You know, there's a way that you couldn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's a way that we shield ourselves as humans. Like Mm -hmm. some people will say, oh, wow, like that's cool. Like sometimes my husband, my partner, my friend, they don't look me in the eye.
3: There's actually a protective mechanism. It is. That's all it
1: is. Like language when you say you and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So now you're much more present, actually, too, because you're allowing yourself to see, whereas before you didn't want to see something.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that feels really true.
1: Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. Yep. Everything's cool. It is cool. It's super super, cool. Everything is awesome. Everything's cool (laughs) when you're part of a team. (laughs) Thank you
0: both. Yeah. Yeah, brother. Thank you as always for this act of great liberation. Yeah. And uh, and it's, I hope that everybody listening can recognize that Vailana's specificity is also a universality, right? Like every time we watch you liberate, you know, someone from the prisons of their own mind, there's a liberation that occurs to some aspect of ourselves, however small. That might be, you know, or however big it might be. For some people it might have hit direct hit. Yeah, that's their thing. And for other people it might be, well, that's not exactly my thing, but I understand the process. And also that little part of me that is you, which we all share, because we all share commonality to some fractional degree, like Mm -hmm. that part gets liberated as well. So I just wanna, you know, thank you for all of the individual liberations that are leading to the collective liberation that will allow us to actually see we're in the kingdom of heaven here we are yeah welcome everybody like here we are yeah and it's just a matter of
1: perspective yeah as we started we're giving birth to something and we give birth to a new woman who's found like the essence of who she is which is love of all aspects of herself and Hopefully, everybody who's listening to this sort of gave birth to a different part of themselves that's more expansive too.
2: Mhm, uh-huh.
0: Mm. Peter what you got cooking man you got a mastermind that's maybe available yeah coming
1: up in uh, I think probably May like which is a container similar to this but with beautiful souls all around the world which just adds a different quality of fun and support and community and over usually three months we meet every two weeks and you get to see this you get to learn how I'm doing it so it's yeah, it's so beautiful. It's really been moving to be part of a group like this. Is obviously super profound, and I'm so humbled by the opportunity. But to to do it on mass in a mastermind is it's really special. Yeah, yeah. and
0: we've uh, we've threatened to gather in person perhaps I here know. at the farm. In the I Archard see and, that.
1: I, yeah, I was event. so oh, excited right. that you shared the vision that came to me, and I was like, I I can't think of a better couple to do it with or a place to do it at. So I think that'd beautiful. be so profound. All right. So it is. Yeah, it is. Thank you, my brother. I love you. Love you too. Thank you so
3: much. Love you.
1: (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning into this podcast with Peter Crone. I'm looking forward to a potential summit hosted with Peter and myself at some point, perhaps this year. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And otherwise, definitely follow all of Peter Crone's work. And take a look if you're inspired at the mastermind that he runs Obviously, anytime you get to access knowledge and wisdom and insight at the level of Peter Krohn, it's going to be an amazing advantage to your life. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I love you very much, and we'll see you next week.